Welcome one, welcome all to episode 208 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Saturday, December 16th, 2023. I'm your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, the Intrepid, Captain Logan. Alongside the Captain today, we are joined by both Kevin Ainsworth and Jam Pack Sam, hosts of Project X Talk from Save Game Media, a fellow Xbox podcast, to bring news to Xbox gamers. We are excited to have them with us. Today, we are chatting about a major price drop for Xbox Series X. Xbox is rolling out a year-in-review feature for their gamers, and several games have received seasonal updates, including one that's been years in the making. As always, we hope you enjoy the show. Logan, we like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made our gaming weeks better. But first, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I am I am super stoked for this episode. This is the Chinese finger trap of our two mm-hmm. podcasts. We're stuck together for the next hour, for better or for worse, and it's mm-hmm. gonna be hilarious. So I can't wait. Some might doing? call it some might call it the banjo ambush, I think we're calling the this banjo one. ambush. Yeah, yeah, you know. Could you be, know. could be. <laughs> of course, uh, we are also joined by Sam and Kevin, and I'm stoked to have that. Uh, Kevin Ainsworth from Project X Talk, how are you? And do you have any words of kindness to distribute this week? I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, and well, I mean, my words of kindness, I would extend them to you two for the invite to come on XCP. Always, uh, always love coming guesting on other shows, um, especially this time of the year when it's less news focused and we really get to talk about some games and some and some fun stuff. Mm-hmm. There you go, man. Well, we're glad to have you here uh, for for sure. Uh, long time coming, and I enjoy when we cross over in discords and on socials and comment sections. Those always make my week, so that's awesome. Um, of course, Jam Pack Sam, the man with uh, the voice, and I don't even know how else to say it, Sam, but your voice is sultry, uh, and some might call it intoxicating. Uh, thank well, you for joining us, sir. Yeah, happy to be here. I know I will also say that my words of kindness are for both of you for inviting us on. And as a backstory, when I first got my Series X, I started looking for other Xbox podcasts to kind of bake into the routine. Then I found XEP and then it was just history from there. So I'm very excited to be here. It's in my weekly rotation. And uh, yeah, we're very hyped to uh, finally do the crossover here. It's very exciting. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. Uh, Logan, in in introducing our guests, I don't think I gave you a, a moment to say your words of kindness. Uh, mine go out to Space Admiral Ors. Um, he's oh, a good buddy of mine. He actually, I don't know if you guys can see this or not, but he got me a, uh, um, actually, he got me a Gundam, but one of my other friends got me a crest plaque. So I should shout out both of them. Uh, so I was talking anime with uh, Space Admiral Ors. He introduced me to a really good anime. And then he sent me a Gundam to put together that's from the actual anime. And I was like, oh, that's cool. How the heck do you do that with uh, with other anime? Because that's awesome. So, And then uh, the ship crest I got from a good buddy of mine, Caleb. So shout out to both of them for being really cool and sending me gifts that I did not anticipate. Um, but now I've got a, a, a keel-hauled podcast um, ship crest to, uh, to have on my wall. It's fantastic. I love it, man. That's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. I, 
I will say, Sea of Thieves cosmetics, man, there's something special about them. They, just the entire art design is is awesome. Oh, yeah. Very, very uh, fun to see, like, all the props that people make and stuff. And I, I, I mean, I've got a whole case full of them at this point. It's it's fantastic. It's it's the it's the the Lancer for gears that everyone loves to see on the wall or like mm-hmm. the needler uh, gun that you have, like like Sam has on his on his yeah. shelf. Back, back that way. Yeah, right there. It's so cool. Yeah. Love that, that stuff. That is cool, man. I, I love it. Um, I want to shout out this week. Uh, I, I can't name them by name, but I have several students this week that have been going through it and and working hard uh, in school and dealing with problems in life. And they have been so good to me over the last few weeks and months. And like around this time, uh, holiday gifts or cards come into teachers. And genuinely, like 10, 15 years ago, we used to get tons of gifts. And it's really kind of gone away uh, with kind of this current generation of parents. Uh, teacher gifts just aren't a thing, but the cards are. And I had a kid um, who brought me in a gift yesterday. Included in it was an Xbox gift card, which is awesome because it means they know my interests and such. Um, but next to it were a bunch of uh, just very kind words from them, some cookies for me because they know what I like. But I had just this one's not right the word called them out to step to step up and work harder and they took that in such a positive way and started working harder and didn't take it as critique and they knew it was in best interest and i just really appreciate that attitude and i wish more people adults had that attitude and so it was cool to to see that and so i wanted to shout them out it was just a feel good you know just a feel good for me so yeah that's really that's cool what yeah. yeah very cool yeah you know well, guys, I'm so excited to talk about everything from our Xbox years in review to I'm sure we're going to have to do it, Logan. We're going to have to talk about Banjo-Kazooie uh, at some point. But I think oh, yeah. first we need to give a shout out to our amazing patrons that have helped make this show possible. They keep the lights on and the content coming, uh, especially during the holiday season when times are tight. We appreciate all of you. Um, Logan, I believe it's my week to read names. Is that correct? Yep. All right. Well, everybody that's gone to patreon.com slash Xbox Expansion Pass, we appreciate you greatly for letting us keep this show running. Our tier two and three shout outs this week are extended to Nicholas Johnson, Ellery Woods Parker III, Nicholas Downey, Rob Frawley II, Tao Zochi, Xbox Skittle, Steel Rain, Matto 1606, Randall Thor 19, Soaking It. Rick Gaffney, African, aka Charles Jones, Game Positive, today's guest Jam Pack Sam, Matt Valdez, Neo Prime 33, Rick Davis, Red Beast, Xbox Mike 29, The Lord Sir, Master Fixer, and Completionist James Suddy, Brendan Myers, aka The Winter Gamer, Sony's VP of Marketing Kevin Butler, Clint Coombs, DJ Hero and Dano12. Thank you guys for supporting XEP over on patreon.com slash Xbox Expansion Pass. We appreciate you. I said appreciate like Captain Picard says it. Appreciate. I think it's dope. I can appreciate that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. He also says uh, simultaneous. He says it, says it as simultaneous. And I've adopted that in my mm-hmm. real life. It's like when, when Logan says footage instead of footage. It's like, I like that. I'm here footage. For yeah, yeah, it's a it's a weird thing. I, I there are certain words that I have trouble with. I don't know, like rune and ruins. Like I can't mm. say R U N E is is tough for my brain to parse. 
Mm. So I conflate it with like ruins instead yeah. of just runes. But I love great. that. It's the it's the plight of the podcaster because it's part of your personality, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then just if you also have time thing. to like, if you add it afterwards, you can just pick a different way to say something and totally avoid the word altogether, which is typically what I do. Like rural, never saying that in a video. You'll never hear that one. <laughs> <laughs> I find that and the word horror really hard yep. to say. Horror, horror, horror. Well, yeah. Some people say horror, and I'm horror. like, what? horror. Yeah, what? I don't know about Northeast, that. Northeast, they say horror, horror, because they don't yeah. want to sound like a, a, a derogatory term in their <laughs> horror movie. You know, well, there you go, there you go. I love playing me a good horror game. Yeah, goodness, man. Yeah, typically I just own the horror thing, and then everybody's like, "What kind of game you playing? Is that very? <laughs> it's a very adult game you playing over there, Sam. I don't know about that. No, I know one. for a fact Sam does not play visual novels, so he's safe from that. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll see what the winter season has in store. I, he's right. It might I get cold lonely. I really do want to see like you playing uh, Doki Doki Literature Club because oh, it no. is it is a it, it's on topic. It's on brand for what we were just talking about. And I think that it's one of those games that would surprise you. That I mean, I, I you can ask Kevin. I've been more open to more games this year than any other game or any other year previously. So 2024, if the trend continues, it could be the year of Doki Doki for me. I don't know. We'll see what happens. If if oh. you're interested in it, let me know because I'm I'm willing to gift that to you so that it's it's a, a free out of pocket cost. You can play it or not, but at least you have like the option if you get interested. Because it is, are you familiar with Inscription? Yes. Yeah. Think Inscription, but. In terms of a visual novel, it, it subverts your expectations of what a visual novel should be. Okay. All right. I mean, anytime you say inscription, you have a little bit of interest for me. So you're already like 25% of the way there. I'll do my homework and then we'll connect on that. Maybe that could be an experiment. We'll see where it goes. Ooh, ooh I like that. Okay. It was a very yeah. interesting game. I was but I appreciate the, uh, the offer there. That's very nice of you. Yeah. Luke, what are we doing this episode? Well, uh, lots Andrew of things. sucks. Banjo does suck, but that's that's a topic for 20 minutes from now. And that's Kevin's fight to fight, by the way. That's totally on Kev. I'm gonna let him. I'm gonna let him handle that one. How dare you? <laughs> the, context, <laughs> the context for this is that we absolutely bullied Kevin on uh, Project X Talks' chat the other day, which I'm very much looking forward yeah. to uh, to rekindling. But in the meantime, guys, one of my favorite things about this time of year is when companies allow you to revisit your experiences from the year in their platform. Uh, at various points, I've seen PlayStation and Nintendo do this as well. Xbox has done it in years past. But the ability to have a year in review for your gaming experiences. And right now, uh, any listener can go to uh, Xbox's website. It's featured prominently there on the front page to click your year in review. And you get to see uh, a, a wonderful recap of your gaming experiences from 2023, from the games you've played to hours you've spent in them, achievements and gamer score. Uh, they rank you as, as, as where you are in the player base, uh, whether you were in the top X percent of the player base. And it's been a really enjoyable path for me. And I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I often open the Xbox app on my phone and just scroll achievement achievement hit the achievement tab and just scroll because it keeps everything in order of what you've played uh to to basically just recall memories achievements for me it's not so much about the number but it's remembering my experiences with the game that's how my brain works um but i love this year in review feature and i found out some really cool stuff about uh my gaming habits that caught me off guard in several ways and i'm curious 
Uh, I'll start with you, Sam. Have you done the year in review? I did. Yeah. Kevin and I talked about it a little bit on this week's show, but I was also kind of shocked. And I also added the caveat at the beginning of this is also an account that's shared between me and my fiance. So there's a little bit of her stuff baked in there, um, which is mainly a significant amount of Elden Ring we found to be. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I found it uh, very interesting. So I don't know if you want to dive into breaking it down, but um, but yeah, very, uh, very cool to see all of my time spent broken down into data because we know Microsoft has it. So they're mm-hmm. using it in a really cool way. Yeah, we see this data used in a lot of ways from advertising to which games are suggested, that kind of stuff. But yeah, tell me a little bit about your breakdown. I'm curious about this because I have a feeling it's Halo heavy. Yeah, spoiler it is very alert, Halo heavy. Quick spoiler, I have heard it, but I want to hear it for the show. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Yeah. So overall, if we want to break down like the 2023 highlights, I've had 985 hours of time spent in games this year. Once again, share between me and my fiance, who plays way less than I do. She's in grad school. She's got important things going on, unlike me, where I'm just loitering on the couch. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's broken down into 115 games, 15,000 gamer score, 712 achievements, and mm-hmm. also 12,528 rewards points. So shout out to Microsoft Rewards for that. Um, but number one was Halo Infinite with 123 hours so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two was Elden Ring, where she put in 86 hours, which is a very respectable amount of time. She's in the top 20% uh, mm. for Elden Ring. And then number three was Diablo 4, which uh, we put 75 hours into. So pretty proud of that. That's a, that's a high level breakdown. Interesting. Did it did it give you a percentage of how active you were in Diablo? Because that was one of mine. So I'm curious. Did it give you? Yes, a percentage I am in the top 35 percent of most active players on Diablo. And I told Kevin that this is probably like I came back for seasons one and two. I didn't spend mm-hmm. a ton of time there, but the fact that I came back probably mm-hmm. put me above the general user that fell off after launch, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I, that was one of mine. I was in the top 15 percent mm-hmm. and it's it, yeah, I'll share that from mine, but it, I found it surprising. So, you know, uh, Kevin, how about you, man? Where, where did you rank and were you were you like Sam and I were you like seeing the data was really fun for you? Yeah, well, yeah. So I do uh, data for a living, actually, like that mm-hmm. is my job. So I love numbers and I love all these recaps. I do them mm-hmm. for basically everything I can. Um, my Xbox one, pretty interesting for me. Now, Xbox is my main platform. And you really see that when you compare this to like my Nintendo and PlayStation breakdown, which is like woeful, especially Nintendo, where it's like your top game this year was like 18 hours played. I'm like, oh, oh boy. All right. Like I don't spend a lot of time over there. But my Xbox One uh, total time, 554 hours, uh, 57 games. I added 12,482 gamer score this year. Um, I got 655 achievements. Uh, I added 51,731 rewards points, which uh, killing it with the rewards. I just started rewards this year. Um, So my morning routine is often like popping open the Xbox app, doing the jewel, going to Bing, doing all those. Um, But if we're looking at my most played games and I'm often known like, oh, I play like the JRPGs and like these really heavy games. Um, My most played game is EA Sports FC 24 with 64 (laughs) hours. Um, But but that's not all. The second game, tell them. Is EA Sports FIFA 23. (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) With with 59 hours. (laughs) Um, And then number three is Diablo 4 with 51 hours. 
Oh man, that's funny. So I spend a lot of time um, in in FIFA. Is basically what this tells me. <laughs> yeah, but he had a good call out on a, on his show where it's like Halo is my I'm not gonna think and I'm just gonna shoot stuff, mm-hmm. and then FIFA is his I'm not gonna think I'm just gonna play some football. Like that's kind of the way that we approach the top played games. I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just didn't know my number two was also gonna be. <laughs> FIFA. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, man, but it is funny. It is funny. And I've Logan and I have this conversation a lot. The turn your brain off games. Um, mm. I've been in those a lot the past few months, just with everything in my personal life, just so stressful. I have not wanted to think. And so I've missed some of the more cerebral games like Alan Wake 2. I intend to get back to over the holiday and stuff, but not wanting to use that cerebral energy, the mental energies. I go back to my default comfort games, which for you is very much, you know, football, uh, soccer. Mm -hmm. So, so that's, I totally get that for Sam. It's halo. And Logan is sea of thieves, a default game for you where you turn your brain off now, or is that still Mm, content for you? No. Well, with, with safer seas. Yes because it's just me on the server but mm-hmm. typically no typically like sea of thieves i'm i'm actively like mentally that's why i've i've kind of fallen away from playing that as much as i normally do because there are other games that i genuinely just like i'll go into uh you know diablo 4 or for me it's always like heroes of the storm or like world of warcraft like those are the two games that i will i can religiously sit down and be engaged with but it doesn't require any learning or focus mm-hmm. like i'm just playing the game for the sake of playing the game mm-hmm. that makes sense that makes sense um i'm curious though for you logan your breakdown was probably very different yeah probably very different what was your <laughs> breakdown so uh i i had a total time of 1534 hours Okay, I think that might be the most I've seen. And, One, and what I, was it? One thousand what? One thousand five hundred and thirty-four hours. Oh, you beat me barely. Okay. <laughs> um, I I did seventy-three games this year, which is nuts. Nice for me. Uh, I only got four hundred and one achievements though, which when I compared to like the, the Kev, I'm just like, oh my god! Like my gamer score was like six thousand five hundred and eighty-one, which again pales compared to kev and but my rewards points i got fifty seven thousand three hundred and seventy four, which is a it's, it's like a free game at that point in my opinion um and then i was kind of surprised my my number one game and this is the one that i probably talk about the least but i actually play a lot of destiny 2 was my number one wow. game and I only got into the top percentage with 414 hours. Hmm. That's 10 top 10% with 414. I feel like the people that are still engaged with Destiny 2 are the people that are like the diehards that are really there, you know, ride or die, rain or shine. They're going to be playing Destiny. That mm-hmm. seems because I mean, it was kind of a down year overall from what I gathered. But mm-hmm. are you somebody who comes back for every expansion, Logan? Yeah. Are you like there? Oh, all yeah. The time? Yeah, like I and I, I think this last season was the only season that I didn't complete. I'm I'm typically the the guy that gets like every single battle pass done for for the the season, you know. And and we got uh, the new expansion this year, so I mean, I think within the first week of the the expansion, I had already dumped seventy hours into it, and that was like not taking time off from work. 
Yeah. Wow. You're so, really putting in that work over there. But yeah, so that was my number one most played. Uh, number two most played was Sea of Thieves. I had 333 hours, which is probably an all-time low for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was still in the top 5% of player base for that. You had uh, an interesting theory about this too that you yeah. were telling me last night. Yeah, because we're because like I, I've the lowest I've seen that was in the top five percent for Sea of Thieves was um, just like it was like a hundred and a hundred and fifty hours, and they were still in the top five percent, which to me says that the vast majority of gamers that are playing Sea of Thieves mm-hmm. are playing less than the, somewhere between two to six hours a week. Mm-hmm. Like it's very very small percentage of people actually playing. Like you know, I would imagine most. Most people probably put in like maybe 50 hours for the entire year. And it's well, it's a lot of them. Well, uh, Sam actually brought this up when we were talking about that little category. It's like, here's how you stack up against other players. And yeah. like basically everyone is like in the that I've seen post these on like social media. It's like you're in the top 10 or the top 5%, which leads me. It's like, okay, people aren't putting in nearly as many hours. Like if I'm. I'm in the top 10% for hours played with my 500, which that leads me to believe like most players aren't really putting in that many hours. Yeah. I think that's a byproduct of cloud gaming and game pass. You have the option to try if it's for you. Cool. If not, peace out, no harm, no foul. It's like the Netflix effect. Um, at least that would be my theory on that front. People are trying it. The first 10, 20 minutes of a game doesn't capture them. First few hours don't capture them. I got better options for my interests and they move on. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think I think Game Pass skews the numbers. If, if these were like purchases made and had to play kind of thing, like I think this would be a much different scale on, on the percentage wise. I think pe- there might be a lot more people that actually play the game versus not, but I think the player base itself would be a lot smaller too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think about Diablo 4 and as a game that is not on Game Pass, I'm in the top 35% because I did come back and I still play a little bit of the seasons, but I'm not up there with you, Luke. But, mm-hmm. you know, thinking about a game like Halo Infinite, which is kind of the double hit of it's free to play for multiplayer and it's also on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. I'm automatically going to be in the top 5% just because I'm there every single week putting in, you know, eight to 10 hours probably. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think the Game Pass and cloud gaming definitely has an effect. I mean, you know, that's giving a lot of people the chance to dive in, but also how many, like you mentioned, are really coming back to to put in that work and to get up to where, you know, like Kev is in, in uh, feet, almost said soccer in, <laughs> in EA Sports FC. My bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's yeah. one of those uh, dip your toe in, try it. And I think that's good and bad, but I think it's more good than bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think Diablo four is probably like the best example that we can all kind of point to because I I was in the top 15 percent for mine. That was my top three game. And I had one hundred and ninety one hours in that one. So it's it's definitely like upper echelon. But I think with like Sam's comparison of how many hours he's got in versus his breakdown, this being like a game that you had to purchase. I think this is a lot better skew of like what are the what are the the gameplay like who's playing how much mm-hmm. sam i think you had like in the 30s or 40s as far as hours played uh, for diablo for 3 diablo 4 i had 75 hours 75 and that was top 35% yeah that was top 35% so i would imagine most people probably put about 30 to 40 hours in and probably did it at launch and mm-hmm. then finished it and then that was it yeah it's fun. 
he- hearing you guys say the hours that hours played, finishing it be done. I've heard a lot about uh, Starfield's numbers dropping mm-hmm. in the last few weeks. Like it's a single player game, not a live service, which I think is also interesting. And like the player base is going down. I'm like, well, yeah, I've played Resident Evil 4, Dead Space, Dead Island 2, Spider-Man 2, and a number of other single player games. And my hours in those dropped off steeply after I finished them. Uh, yeah. And I yeah. thought that was... I think context needs to be added when people try to say stuff like that because I know Hi-Fi Rush, Brad, like they talk about like, oh, we've had 4 million players or I, I don't remember if that's the number, but we've had 4 million players since launch. But then you look and it's like most people don't even make it to like the second like story chapter achievement or something like mm-hmm. achievements. And I want to do the same for Starfield. Like we've had 12, 15 million plus players or whatever they're at like how many if you look at the achievements like what's the percentage of people actually beating the campaign or like i know uh, we looked at uh phil spencer's for fun on on our post show and mm-hmm. he played starfield for like what, crazy I mean, like hundreds of hours and had like 12 achievements i'm like phil what are you doing in the game bro like mm-hmm. what what are you doing <laughs> yep yep it's uh, it's Time played in some games doesn't always equate to achievement or gamer score. Yeah, Phil Spencer has 13 achievements in Starfield, according to his year he got review. One. He got another one. Well, this is the one we read off of, so I don't oh, think it's okay. changed since our okay. podcast. But 13 achievements and 148 hours played in Starfield, which, number one, dude's putting in the work, even though mm-hmm. he's over there fighting with the FTC. But number two... Yeah, I mean, Bethesda games typically have very strange achievements where you can play an entire game and get like, a handful right i mean i feel like that's not an uncommon thing well i got 36 achievements in 40 hours of starfield hmm. sounds like you should be ceo of xbox, head of xbox over there that's i think saying. that sounds hey you know i I'm, i still stand on on my uh on my soapbox and i say i want to see jim ryan's wrap up where <laughs> he's where he's at yeah, he's, we kind of we talked about that a little bit. He's uh, that would be a very fun comparison. <laughs> See, he would he would have had different numbers, and he would share it, Logan. But he really likes live service, um, mm. and he was really he wasn't going to play Last of Us unless Maybe it was so live service I. and multiplayer. I love you know? live service. Bring it. Yeah. So do, well, that's that's why he said they had to make Last of Us factions. Um, awkward. Anywho, um, can I tell you guys about my? top yes. stuff my numbers yes. okay so tell me tell me if i'm a fake gamer or not okay very important my lifetime gamer score is at two two hundred and forty one thousand. uh just shy of two hundred and forty two thousand. so you know like humble brag um my total time not quite as strong as logan's with 1462 hours played um fake you know, gamer yeah fake gamer uh total games i played 103 games this year whoo 103 and I, I you know me i love finding the fun and checking out smaller titles that's one of my favorite things to do 801 achievements throughout the year Ooh, uh, with twenty one thousand seven hundred eighty four gamer score acquired um i will argue i will say i am not one of the people that finds the thousand gamer score games on purpose that's not my thing um that's it, but they happen to find his, their way on his dashboard though um on, on occasion it'll happen but that's not a thing i seek out I don't seek that out. I do get locked in on a game, as we've talked about before. I will focus in until I get a certain thing that, I, that I'm going for in it. My uh, total reward points were 54,447. Um, not surprisingly, as a teacher, my number one gameplay month was June. 
which I thought was funny. Mm. It's pretty good. Yeah, freedom, yeah. and then you just go off the the deep end and just <laughs> spend right. hundreds of t- hours in these games. Yeah, that's exactly how that happened. But uh, what surprised me most, guys, was Diablo Four was my number one game played, which I had never liked Diablo prior to this year. Um, it was not a thing I got into. I don't. I don't. I never like. I did Diablo Three, and I was like, whatever. Um, never had an interest but diablo 4 speaks to me 248 hours played in this one um which which has got to go it's gone up since i ran these numbers because i continue to play i really like season two and um i don't enjoy thinking about the numbers and the stats and i just like going around killing stuff but when i have people like logan and uh my other friend kev they'll jump in and tell me to go fix something versus ask me stuff and then I can go and, and, and fix that, uh, which is which is fun. But sometimes um, you do it when I tell you. You don't do it when Kev tells you. That's because he's really kind of a dick about it. <laughs> you're really, you're way nicer. Hey, why don't you check up your power, Paragon board? Let's talk about how to do that. You know, I'll stream real quick. Let's fix your packs. Thank you. You know, that's that's very helpful. Um, yeah. One of the things that I thought was interesting. My second most played game was Call of Duty, and mm-hmm. I feel like that is a skew number. Because whereas Fortnite is one thing with seasons, Call of Duty is Modern Warfare 2 and 3 combined. And I did go on a Call of Duty kick this year. I get locked in, like I've said. And I did all the campaigns for 2 and 3. Did them on Legendary or, or Veteran or whatever the high one is. Um, they got a ton of the... Every single player achievement I think you could get at the time. Uh, really got locked in. But I had 192 hours in Call of Duty across single and multiplayer. Um, which was cool. And... I mean, I maintain that I had fun with Modern Warfare 3's campaign. You know? Hey, nothing wrong with that. Everybody, like you like you always say, you got to find the fun. I have mm-hmm. not played it. I'll wait for the Game Pass drop when it inevitably comes sometime next year. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, there's still a tons of fun to be had in Call of Duty. People give it a hard time because it's got so much of a legacy to live up to. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that you can't have 192 really good hours spent in that for 2023. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, I also, uh, Logan sold a cool anecdote while we were playing the other night. I forget what game we were playing. Maybe it was firefight, but, um, he was telling us how, like his friend is a very casual gamer. Is that right? Kev or uh, Logan, do you want to tell us about that again? Oh, about, uh, my coworker. Yeah. My yeah, former yeah. supervisors. Yeah. One of my, I was talking to one of my former supervisors yesterday cause he, he had uh, hit me up for some, some work stuff. And, uh, the conversation ended with us talking about call of duty, modern warfare three. And I, I was like, hey, are you still playing COD? He's like, oh, yeah, man. Oh, man, I'm getting into Modern Warfare 3. Have you gotten into it? And I'm like, yeah, I dabbled a little bit. He's like, oh, man, I've been I've been having so much fun with that game. I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, yeah. Me and the guys every weekend, we jump on, we do we do some uh, uh, Warzone and we do some multiplayer. And I'm like, have you done any of the zombie stuff? He's like, oh, man, I can't do the zombie stuff. I, I don't I don't know what it is. I tell my I tell my son to jump in and do do that so he can get me the skins and the in the 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 characters and stuff and i just can't do it i'm like oh man that's a shame because i really i really get a kick out of that mode man it's it's just goofy fun he's like yeah 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 he is the guy that we all talk about that we're looking out for when we're trying to like make sure that companies are doing right by the casual gamer because he is the one that will buy like a ps5 and then call of duty and then madden and that's it and that's and has no clue what's going on with games but he only buys the two games every year and he plays those games every year. And that's like his thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a weekend game and it's just like a jump on to have some fun and play around. But 
he's so passionate about it. Like their crew has like set set roles and stuff in Warzone, like who's gonna do what and whatnot. And mm-hmm. that's it, it was it's it's refreshing to hear the conversation about video games from people who genuinely have it as a hobby as opposed to a a, a part-time job like we typically do. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. that, that's kind of my bigger point too, is that it, it gets lost in the podcasting sauce, just how niche our interests are versus the masses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any kind of commentary that we always bring up, like the people that are on this call right now for the discord or for the, uh, for the podcast. And then that are in the discords and that are in the Twitter spaces that are talking about the news that's going on. That mm-hmm. is the, we're talking about the, the recaps here. The, that's the top 5% of the players that are in gaming as a whole. Mm-hmm. And then the other 95% are just random people that are out there playing games and having a good time. Mm-hmm. So that's a good contextualizer. If that's a word of just how important and how significant these conversations that we have really are in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of gaming. I think that's a, really important perspective to keep throughout the year. Fully agree. Fully agree. And I, I talk to my students all the time. They almost have no idea that, that Xbox now owns call of duty. They're just like, you play in Warzone, you play in this, you play. That? And it's like, why are we upset about them? Not knowing that who cares they're playing it, you know? Yeah, it's very true. I also had a similar kind of situation where it's the end of the year. Corporate world is winding down. Everybody's kind of like, you know, letting their hair down a little bit on these calls. And so we started talking about games on one that I'm on. And Mm -hmm. a dude is playing through the entirety of the Master Chief collection with his son and kind of like bringing him up to speed on the world of Halo. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just really cool to because I have my camera on and I have the Halo 3 uh, collector's edition behind me and he was like oh you play halo and i'm like well i dabble you know let's not get into <laughs> it that much but um mm-hmm. but yeah he started talking so it's just cool to see not only for those casual players but also the crossovers that you don't realize that this dude that you work with or this person you work with is into gaming in a way that you might not think they are it's really fun to uncover those little hidden people in your life it's really neat fully agree fully agree and it's too, uh, too often people forget, and I know it's the theme of our show, to just find the fun. Just enjoy your gaming, you know? Just enjoy it. That's the point. He's playing through Master Chief Collection with his son. doesn't matter what year that came out, which one he's playing, which difficulty he's on, what achievements he's got. He's playing with his son and having fun. Yep, that's 100%. Cool. Did you guys see that, they, that they're that they wrapping up development on Halo uh, Master Chief Collection? Mm-hmm. I, I that saw that. surprising. Yeah, I, I saw that, and I think I linked a uh, Game Rant article in here because I couldn't find it. Uh, it's in our smaller topics, and wants to scroll down. I couldn't find it widely publicized. At least no. maybe that was just in my quick like little uh, search. Mm-hmm. But it seems the news of this is making the potential rounds of like, you know, Master Chief Collection might be done because they sent thank you cards to those who worked on them. And it had an a start date for Master Chief Collection and an end date, which was last summer when they had its last big update, like not a not a maintenance update. Um, I'm curious if this is true. Where do you guys say are, are you pleased overall with Master Chief Collection being done? Does it sadden you in any way? No. Uh, no. OK, Logan, you strong feelings. Go for it. Yeah. Halo Master Chief uh, Collection um, needs to to have, like, I think four and five included with it. I think if you're going to have five, the Master Chief or five, sorry, five, five should yeah. be in it because uh, mm-hmm. in five, five's not available on PC either, um, mm-hmm. which is weird. So I, I think there was still work to be done on it. I think that they very easily could have included five into the collection. I think they could have uh, made a PC port for it because it's just it's it's 
the Master Chief Collection. Like I get that Halo Infinite is kind of its own separate thing, but there's a lot of people who go into four and come out of four and then know that there's a five, but have no clue like what the story is because they may only have the Master Chief Collection, mm-hmm. but it's not the full collection. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's a really good point of not having five and there has always been something that's kind of been in the back of my mind personally, like as a big Halo fan of this story is not a high point of the entire series, but you can't look at the history and just selectively pick which games you want to put in this Master Chief collection. Like it's still like Logan said, the story that's being told of Master Chief and then it plays directly into Infinite, which will continue the line of where Halo is going. So for it to not be in there is definitely kind of strange overall. If this is the end, then they've done a pretty good job of getting it to the point that it's at today. Not to say that it is okay that they don't have the game in there, but considering where it launched and the disaster that that was back on the Xbox one to where we are today, where it's continuing to put out new content for, you know, to some degree of having events and things you can go earn and whatnot, uh, revamping the way that you redeem your in-game time spent with whatever kind of points system they have now, where they've kind of changed that recently. Um, they've really done a good job of making it feel more like a live service game, even though it's not a live service game, to really kind of bake it into the expectations the players have after playing Infinite, after playing Call of Duty, that kind of thing. They've made it feel more modern than it really has any need to be which i think is a good win for making it more appealing to people like my uh you know my co-worker and his son that might want to check out multiplayer after the mm-hmm. campaign wraps up something like that yeah so i it, listen first of all i love halo but nowhere near the level that like sam or probably uh luke over there loves halo like i play the campaigns i'll play a good amount of the multiplayer and then i probably dip out and like i haven't gone back to infinite in in ages um so you're over here like they're ending development. I didn't know they were still working on Master Chief Collection, to be honest with you guys. Like <laughs> you could have you could have told me they stopped updating this game at when Infinite came out. I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense because everybody's going to go play Infinite. Um, if you're adding five, I think it needs a PC port. Like that would be the big thing. Like the big barrier for adding that to the Xbox version was they would then have would they would alienate their PC player base with that game so like i think you need to add that to the pc version and at that point why don't you just roll in infinite and call it halo like i have a big hub all the halo games in there like transform it kind of called yeah similar to what call of duty is doing Hmm. i don't disagree with that honestly yeah i I don't mind a tab uh i don't mind a, a a jump off point provided they handle it a bit better than Call of Duty in terms of download size and necessity, that kind of thing. Um, I don't mind a tab to say, hey, check out Master Chief Collection in Infinite or vice versa. Um, I will note that I do think it's frustrating if Xbox's message, ha- and it, they've they've backed away from this a bit, but in, I want to say 2021, 2020, their message was like, you know, your old games here, everything from this legacy is here all your gears games are back and pad all of your such and such back and pad you can find the legacy here i have a feeling that with the arrival of call of duty into xbox's pantheon of ownership they have the ability to do that for call of duty and they're going to go back to that a bit like play all the call of duties here all the spiros here the crashes here and they can do the same thing it will be odd i think and i do think it's a it's a it's a an omission that not enough people or not enough, not many people rather i should say know about with halo 5 not being there because for anyone that's not played it 
the campaign's pretty cool. Like the gameplay is dope on a technical level. Five, I think, is very good, but it doesn't feel like Halo. It doesn't play like Halo. And the story is stupid. Like it doesn't. There are so many for a lore person. Uh, it doesn't match at all. But it's still a great game and, and, and a, a worthy of a checkout if you're ingesting Halo as a series. So I do think that does need to happen is get five into Master Chief Collection. I do prefer Infinite being its own thing uh, for a good while, particularly given the progression that it's had. But back to the core question of am I upset or sad or, or whatnot? Master Chief Collections, it's such a, a redemption arc in a in a generation of difficulty for xbox to see master chief collection end in theory where it is now i'm very pleased and happy and what a gift to xbox players um that that want to check out what halo means to the to the franchise to the ownership to the brand um, i'm really pleased with it and i hope five minds a way to get into there uh in some way shape or form but i love halo i love people who can go back to halo and i hope that that uh people do take the time to check it out I think the other difficulty, not to hang on this topic too long, but if you want Halo to be something that is going to be competing, even though ironically it's now owned by Xbox, but if you want to be competing with Call of Duty or Battlefield and you want that trifecta to, to continue, to lump them all into one launch or just to play devil's advocate and somebody never have play, having played Halo before boot up Combat Evolved, they're going to be like, oh, this plays like a game from 2001. I don't want to play this. And then they go back to Call of Duty. So Halo has a bit of an identity crisis where it's relying heavily on nostalgia and I admit that as somebody who's like all in on nostalgia. Um, and then they've got to look forward with Halo Infinite. It's established a good um, foundation for where it could go and be modern and be one of those FPS games that people play on the regular in 2024 and 2025. But, mm -hmm. you know, how do you blend what people want from the old in the hardcore community versus bringing in new players and making them want to actually play Halo Infinite versus these other big live service games that in many mm -hmm. ways are doing it better? I mean, I'm just calling it how it is. Yep. I tend to agree. Uh, either way, awaiting confirmation on that. I do think it's important to take a moment and celebrate Halo right now as it stands, Halo Infinite specifically. Uh, with their mid-season update, they did bring in Firefight and Logan. You and I talked about this, I believe, and I know I heard it on X Talk also, but I want to personally shout out how great I think Halo Firefight is. And I love that they recently talked to the community about adding in more difficulties more options more versatility to it but if anybody has not checked out if you are not a, a multiplayer competitive person the pve mode of firefight is such a joy i think to check out halo the maps are amazing there are nine of them that you can play play on in this mode uh, they, they are all a who's who from xbox's legacy so all those games you would have seen in the master chief collections multiplayer those maps are there. Some of my favorite maps are in there. Um, and I really enjoy Firefight as a mode in general. It's just such a pleasure to jump on and have that relaxed gameplay experience because Halo can be very sweaty in multiplayer and send people away. So I, I really want to point people to check out Firefight because um, it's special, I think. I think. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that it's also when you're talking about Firefly being something to celebrate Forge as a foundation for what Halo has been able to kind of accomplish since we've had some leadership changes and a redirection, I would say, of their efforts. Um, you know, Forge for both the developers at 343 and for the community to help support that development has become such a win 
I mean, looking at not only the community creations, but the rotation of maps that is continually coming into the game to keep everything feeling fresh on top of things like Firefight that Mm -hmm. are bringing back that PvE to where it's not quite as sweaty, but it's still giving you that Halo action. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Halo Infinite has just come such a long way, even since February of this year when I went to Mm -hmm. HCS to see the comeback from then, which was going into season three and people were optimistic. Now it's just continually winning for the hardcore community, and that's great. Agreed. Kevin, have you checked it out? I should ask. No, I haven't played Halo Infinite in quite a while, actually. Whenever they added co-op campaign, that's when I last played Halo Infinite. Gotcha. It's got a hot minute. This is also my official resignation from X-Talk. I'm no Mm. longer a part of that show, formerly. Uh, No, I'm (laughs) just kidding. Welcome to XCP, Sam. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) There you go. Look at that. Just like Major Nelson, you left and and you're back. Um, So... Good stuff on Halo there, guys. Uh, I will say our community has had multiple game nights where we just jump in and play. And Kevin, I hope you join us for one of those because Firefight's just a blast. So it's it's a good time there. Um, so let's let's loop back, guys, because in the midst of Xbox's year in review, I feel like there have been a lot of pivotal moments in Xbox this year. I think we saw a number of first-party releases, more than I'd seen in a long time. Admittedly, not always the AAA level, but from, I would argue, double A to triple in very niche titles to very, in theory, mainstream titles from Racing Starfield, that kind of stuff. Xbox had a really good year in terms of first party releases with the black guy that is Redfall, um, which thankfully got a few good updates there. And in terms of software, they delivered on multiple fronts, including the Activision acquisition. I think that's a lot of good stuff there um, for Xbox in terms of software this year. Uh, what was your take on that one? Logan, start with you, bud. Um, I mean, I thought they did a really good job, honestly, like as far as software goes this year, it was, I can't think of the last time we had this many opportunities to really jump into different experiences. And I think this is a conversation we've had in the past about kind of the varied experiences that Xbox offers. It was something that I think we've talked about as far as like, uh, when they do like showcases and stuff, I was really just it was really surprising to see i think minecraft legends i think was something that was really surprising to come out of nowhere um Mm -hmm. i think minecraft is kind of one of those ones that we don't really talk about that we i think that's another conversation we had too Mm -hmm. off air about how minecraft isn't something we really talk about all that much but Mm -hmm. it was really impressive to just have so many opportunities to jump into stuff and i think i was really proud of the fact that we were very honest about redfall Mm -hmm. but we were still very engaged with it Mm-hmm. And I think that seeing the kind of the resurgence with the the 6.0 patch and the uh, updates to AI and stuff that came as a result of the October update um, mm-hmm. really did kind of address a lot of the major concerns that I think uh, the, the, the gaming populace that is engaged with that game had with it. Mm-hmm. Um, still very curious to see like where they go with it. But this was a really great year for software for for Xbox and, and really a testament to them putting their money where their mouth is uh you know we've 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 constantly been been dealing with the xbox one generation of you know like where are the games and stuff and i and i think that is finally gone i think that that stigma has finally left the narrative i think there's other narratives that people are trying to draw from from xbox at this point you know it's no longer like where the games now it's like where the where the you know the game award games Mm -hmm. kind of uh, conversation and you know, to get to get away from one narrative to another is not always the best thing, but you do see some merit in the fact that there's at least recognition in some cases that 
Xbox has experiences for everyone mm-hmm. that not everyone's going to resonate with, but are really good experiences uh, if, if that's the thing that you're into. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam, what about you when it comes to software? Xbox's year stood out as a positive or negative for you? I think this was a positive, but I also think that 2023 is what I would consider to be like the beginning of a redemption arc, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. it was the first not bad year in quite some time. And I mm-hmm. use that term loosely. There have been wins that we can talk about in every year. Mm-hmm. But thinking about from a software level, like you guys both have mentioned, there were a continual stream of games of varying quality with Redfall being the low point. And then arguably, you could say a game like Forza Motorsport or Starfield being a high point. Uh, the acquisition was a big deal as well. But I also think about software from like a third party perspective. And I think about Baldur's Gate 3 finally having come to Xbox. The research and development that went into making that happen is going to have a ripple effect for the next few years of helping games run more smoothly, bringing potentially more games to the platform more easily. So that's going to be a win that I think is going to set them up for success in the long term. But also looking back on cleaning up the loose ends of like, I know it was last year, but Deathloop and then Ghostwire Tokyo earlier this year, those exclusivity periods ending on PlayStation and bringing those games over to Xbox players. Like Mm -hmm. Ghostwire Tokyo was one of my most enjoyed games of the year. I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed Ghostwire Tokyo uh, and had it number, obviously not been on Xbox, wouldn't have checked it out. Uh, Mm -hmm. But also it's on game pass and that helped making it check out or making me check it out an even easier choice. So I think between cleaning up those uh, exclusivity periods, uh, bringing more games to the platform through third parties, and then obviously having that uh, hit of Hi-Fi Rush, Redfall, Starfield, and Forza Motorsport. I mean, those those are four good games, mm-hmm. again, of varying quality, but Xbox is finally bringing stuff to the table, and now we look forward to what 2025 and 2024 have in store uh, and kind of see where they take it from here. So I think it was a good year. There you go. Kev? Yeah, I I echo uh, Logan and Sam with I think Xbox had a good year. I think if Redfall hit, I would say it was a great year. But because Mm -hmm. Redfall kind of put a black eye on it, I will say it's still a good year, despite people trying to point to, well, Redfall was like this massive catastrophic failure well i don't think it was exactly that bad it's not a game i enjoy i think it is a little overblown just how like bad redfall is but if you look at everything else this year kind of sets the tone for what i think xbox is going for going forward and what i mean by that is you see their first party kind of start coming into their own with things like hi-fi rush dropping being very well received starfield i know it's divisive but overall a a great game Mm -hmm. you know in the eights um and then you have things like forza motorsport consistency coming out always a good game um but also game pass i think it'd be disingenuous not to talk about game pass where it's kind of leaning more towards the vision i've said it's going for for a long time now where when xbox gets their first party in going and Mm -hmm. putting out games game pass is going to become this indie double a type of machine and i think we've seen that this year where you're seeing them get games that are like atomic heart whoa long like those are are double a but then you see games like sea of stars coming to the service lies of p so Mm -hmm. games that people are excited for but don't Mm -hmm. have that triple a budget because Mm -hmm. those are games as we know when we see all those leaked documents like 
if you got every AAA into Game Pass, like they would have less drops, there wouldn't be as many, and that's not really the service they're trying to build there. So I think there's been a consistent stream of quality throughout the year from mm-hmm. Xbox, from Game Pass, and this is what I want to see going forward for Xbox. I'm glad you mentioned Game Pass because I very much think of Xbox's ecosystem as, in terms of software as being... Uh, I guess symbiotic between the two first party or, or, or exclusive games release because we know Towerborn second party and they're going to have a few of those going stalker um, exclusive Xbox. So they have their exclusive category then they have their game pass category. And of course there's overlap, but I think a lot about when, when you're an Xbox gamer, you have more options than I think in any other platform. Um, and if those options don't appeal rock on do your thing right but as an xbox gamer with game pass you have your lies of p you have your atomic hearts you have your different uh game pass specific day one launch experiences uh, and then you in another category have the just exclusive titles there which in large part are both um so i i like that and i'll be very interested to see how game pass changes in terms of some of those second are those exclusive launch deals? Do you, are you still going to get the lies of P launches when modern warfare and Diablo and whatnot launch into game pass? Like, are you still going to see that or is the draw going to be, yeah, you can play modern warfare anywhere, but you can have it as part of your game pass subscription. I'm very curious to see kind of how that happens, but I feel like it was a very good year for Xbox software for sure. When I compare it to, uh, you know, th- their most common rival in PlayStation. PlayStation had one AAA experience here. One of my games of the years, mm-hmm. Spider-Man 2, by, by far a game I absolutely love. I got a statue. I adore that game. But Xbox had a great year in terms of trying to shift the narrative of Xbox has no games because that is no longer a criticism, I think, that can be levied at Xbox. Yeah, I think their next challenge then becomes, and this is not a dig at any of the games that were put out this year, but it's now not Xbox has no games, it's Xbox has no great games. Correct. And so now they've got to fight that fight of like, all right, well, we've got games, but now we need that Spider-Man 2, and Blade could be that. You know, Mm -hmm. I know we have some of that in the show notes, we'll probably talk about Blade, but like, that could be that, Clockwork could be that, anything could be that, but it's got to finally deliver on putting it up there with Sony on that level of quality. So I would I would push back a little bit on that, Sam, because I think Xbox has great games. I think Hi-Fi Rush is a great game. I think they need a game that has mass mainstream appeal that also hits that 90 on open critic or metacritic that people love to to tout and and care so much about even though i don't think scores ultimately reflect the fun or quality of a game that you can have mm-hmm. so i think you need one and i think it was cast co-op this week that i listened to where you you, you brought up is hellblade gonna be that mm-hmm. and you guys have that discussion i thought that was really interesting because hellblade's my most anticipated game for next year but i don't think even if it comes out and hits into the nines and gets that critic uh, appeal, mm-hmm. I don't think the mainstream is going to see it that way. It's still going to yeah. be one of those like we got five million players, which is awesome. But Spider-Man got 12. 20 million or whatever. Yeah, yeah. there's some mm-hmm. crazy number because everyone out there under the sun is like I'm picking up Spider-Man. It, it, we need one of those. 
Yeah, yeah. I, 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 agree, I agree with that, too, not to not to cut Logan off there. But I, I definitely agree that it's got to be something that hits that mass appeal. Like how however God of War cracked that code of going from like a PS2 game mm-hmm. that no one knows about to being like everybody knows God of War now because of PlayStation. They've got to figure out how to do that for Xbox. You're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think if you look at like Hogwarts Legacy still hitting top three in November's NPD reports, like it's clear IP sells and Xbox is aware of that. That's why they've got exclusivity deals for Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones may not be the hottest property, but it does have a lot of, uh, uh, you know, cachet with its name. Um, it's been around long enough. And I think with Blade, I think Blade is a perfect opportunity to capitalize on an IP that people are familiar with, that there's films of. There's a there's you know legacy there, but it's still not something that's really been exploited with films to the point where people are are tired of it. Uh, you know, you look at like an X Men movie, and most people are like, okay, are we doing the story again? And I think Spider Man is one of the ones that's kind of like breached that that kind of formula with the uh, the Spider Verse movies uh and and i think they've kind of found something there but to look at xbox i think kev's right you need something that has a lot of mainstream appeal that is that kind of triple a narrative story driven game that people will pick up and buy even if they don't complete it because i i promise you like most of the people that 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 pick up and buy those mainstream playstation games don't beat them like majority of people don't beat games these days but most people get enough out of them that they're satisfied with the cost investment. And I think Xbox has to get to that level before people finally stop talking about what Xbox is missing. And it's it's harder, I think, for Xbox to get there because of Game Pass. Because they, they make it so easy to hop in and say, well, I didn't pay for it. I'm going to drop it. Mm-hmm. they yeah. don't have that cost investment that makes people really like i'm gonna play through the whole game and wow this is an amazing experience i'm gonna go tell everyone about it they're like at 20 minutes in i'm not really feeling this i'm gonna bounce out do you think a lot of uh like people's opinions about what they talk about and what they share as far as games go is tied to the the cost investment that they have with it I have interesting feelings about the co- the cost investment. Like when I see people say, "Well, I'm not paying seventy dollars for that game because it's ten or fifteen hours long," that I have a hard time coping with that conversation because for me, qu- you are paying for quality. You're not paying for quantity. And there mm-hmm. are people who view it the opposite, where, well, if I'm paying seventy dollars, this game better last me a long, long time. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I'd like I see to... it both ways. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Luke. No, 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 go, no. go for it. I was going to change subject, so I'd like you to finish your thought. Well, I was just going to say, and then on top of that, also going back to you know driving conversation about that, I think that's also a challenge because even like Logan, you said, if if people aren't putting the time in to finish these games and they only play for a couple of hours, Xbox does need games that drive general conversation, like a new Spider-Man game. As soon as the next one gets announced, trending on Twitter immediately. Mm-hmm. No question about it. And so Xbox has to get stuff like that where it can drive that general conversation of like, oh, I've heard of that. I I can't wait for that. And then they start talking about it online and then it just drives that hype machine. They've got to get that dialed in, uh, even if it doesn't reflect in like people putting hundreds of hours into the game. They've got to get those copies sold and to get people excited for what they've got coming. Yeah, the. 
the the point that that kind of drove this conversation was Kevin uh, noting my thoughts on Hellblade's mass appeal, and I'd like to. I'd like to invite you guys to attack my logic on this. And I think that Hellblade does have potential to do for Xbox what God of War 2018 did, where it became mainstream. Um, and I think that's probably a large part why we don't have the game yet, is Xbox perhaps looked at the, the, the Hellblade formula and perhaps, and I'm theorizing, requested a bit more combat, a bit more action, because the action in Hellblade 1 is wonderful, but it's sparse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if we don't have a God of War 2018 or a cyberpunk effect where not many people were in on the brand of cyberpunk outside of the people that listen to podcasts, right? And we kind of have already articulated that that's not a very big demographic compared to the market of video games. And I think Hellblade has the potential to suddenly have articles written in different different uh, mediums about their investigations into psychosis or to audio design or to graphical design and suddenly make their way outside of just the gaming medium. And then given the world, given the way that this was introduced uh, at the Game Awards in 2019, given their connections to bands like Highlung, they have the ability to jump to other mediums. And I wonder if we don't get a an edge runners, not in not in style, but in spirit, like a show about Hellblade. Mm-hmm. We see all the rage about the Fallout show, the Last of Us show, the Edge Runners. We see we've seen it done right in almost every category, sans Halo, um, in the, the visual spectrum to bring a bigger audience to the brand. I think Hellblade, more than any other Xbox property that's in the immediate future, has the ability to do. Um, so I think that's where my position on that one comes from. I see a world where actors are acting out what's happening in Hellblade. Oh yeah. I could, I could definitely see that. I, I want to see a Hellblade movie in the, um, in the style of bird box with Sandra Bullock. I feel like that would be really neat to have that same kind of tone and vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Kevin, I know you were going to jump on it. What, what's yeah, on your mind? I, I think Luke has a good point there. I think it has potential. Mm-hmm. And while I think the trailer, especially the one at the Game Awards that we've seen so far of Hellblade 2, have made it look phenomenal, made it look like that, uh, as Lord Cognito says, just one, that third person narrative story rich game. And then mm-hmm. we got a little more combat with the Game Awards trailer. I think right now we don't know if the jump is big enough from Hellblade 1 to that God of War 2018 type of uh, type of jump is what is what i'm looking for if mm-hmm. the game comes out and it is i'm not saying like it doesn't have to be like an open world like god of war but it is that sort of jump from like the first one was good a cult classic but this one really elevates everything so much that it's hard to ignore mm-hmm. i can see them being like well let's work with a director let's get this as a as a tv show as a movie of some sort because like i just saw oppenheimer this week phenomenal movie by the way like if you're you're telling me like i could see like a three hour long hellblade movie and like the acting directing sound audio everything is is well in imax yes as is well done i would be there day opening night to see that movie Mm -hmm. logan any thoughts there I definitely agree that the the potential's there. I think Hellblade is is still a very niche IP 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think that, you know, a lot of people, I'm, I'm willing to bet that there's a large majority of Xbox fans out there touting about how excited they are for this sequel. And they probably haven't even actually played or finished this first game. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. it's a, a lot of it sure. is just kind of grandstanding um, for the sake of trying to, to make your, your, your system of choice feel like it's a bigger deal than, than currently what we, what we're, we're comparing it to. Um, not to downplay like the efforts and work that go into making Hellblade. I, I definitely see like the the work that they put into that game and they, they definitely make it look amazing, but you still have a lot of people out there saying that this game isn't real. It doesn't look like it could possibly run on consoles. There's no way it looks that good. There's the combat is messy. Uh, Cause you can tell they, they edited stuff. Like there's already naysayers out there trying to downplay like the importance of what this game is going to be. I think it's it's definitely got the opportunity to be one of those kind of God of War games. Um, I don't know that the story is layman enough for broad appeal. Mm. You know what this reminds me of, Logan? And, and I know Alan Wake 2 is kind of a comparison I think can be drawn yes. between Hellblade 2. Yeah. Because Alan Wake 2 is in my opinion a masterpiece like i think that's one of probably my top 25 games of all, all of all time like i absolutely think that game is amazing but from what i've heard the game isn't selling very well despite yeah. being heavily focused at the game awards with a musical number winning cr- like big awards like best direction best narrative like those are awards that matter in the industry and i think critically Alan Wake 2 is being well received. But if you look at commercial like sales, maybe it is too complex of a narrative. Like, do do the modern mainstream audiences really care about that like crazy audio design, the complex narrative story? Or do they want something a little more simple where it's a good story, but it isn't uh rack your brain fan theory trying to figure out like what is actually happening yeah yeah and i and i think you're you're right on that because i i think for one alan wake 2 and hellblade both sequels it's going to call call into question like whether or not people want need to jump into the first one to understand the second one also alan wake 2 shift in in type of genre it is it's a much more horror based game which is going to really turn people off when they find out about that um you're, you're looking at uh i'm losing my train of thought here but um you're consider you're looking, box sales also it's not physical that, that's, that's true. true yeah there's no physical on it on shelves to be able to show to people um you look at something like call of duty which has uh this year been more panned than past years because of the campaign both in length and in design i think you need to have something that is easily easily understood and digestible that's linear that is it is it is easy enough to kind of walk forward Call of Duty does that. They they push you through to each mission. You've got people talking to you about what's going on every single step of the way. And all you have to do is walk through and shoot things. Um, God of War, same thing. You walk around through that environment. People talk to you while you're walking and you just kill things. And then eventually you get to the end of the game. Um, Spider-Man less so, obviously a little more open world. But it's, it's like that is a, a world where you know swinging around in New York is just fun in general. So if you happen upon stuff... It's kind of like GTA, like you're just going to mess around and, and go wherever you want because the world itself is interesting. Uh, same thing with Cyberpunk. I think Cyberpunk um, does that really well. I think Hellblade is going to be one of those ones where 
it will need to be a zeitgeist based game mm-hmm. to really kind of escalate the 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 draw of it to the mass populace and i think unless it does something like that where everyone is talking about how good it is the way like breath of the wild did back in 2017 you're you're really going to struggle with using that as kind of that that game that everyone is going to stand up and be like okay xbox hit it they nailed it they did the thing that we want them to do i i think blade has more potential because of of the the name cachet there plus the desire to push you into that third person action adventure narrative game that emulates what a lot of mainstream people want which is to experience something with as as low a frustration as possible or as less uh need to to be like critical thinking about what's going on i have i blade i do not want it to become a main topic for this particular episode uh, but I, I do want to invite you guys to critique just one thought or, or kind of like one stream of consciousness on Blade. I have a couple fears when it comes to it. First, the awkward messaging that has come from Xbox about it, the exclusivity, the not, the, you know, why are we announcing it now? Let us cook. We're going to be doing this for a long time. Uh, but then we hear reports that it's been in development for at least two years. You know, there's a lot of debates. Plus, there's a, a weird vibes surrounding arcane as a result of redfall even though it is indeed is a different team um but then there's the idea that we are seeing superhero movies flop left and right uh with questionable quality in multiple platforms uh across dc marvel and independent i wonder if we're not reaching the true the true peak of superhero content for a bit and we're going to subside and go away for a while and if by the time this game is ready, it's not even relevant or even wanted. Um, that is not speaking for myself. That's not me, right? Like, I, I love superheroes. I want that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder how impactful Blade will be upon release compared to a Spider-Man. Not to mention Batman and Spider-Man are the two rotating top two heroes across the board. And th- there's a pretty distinct difference in terms of popularity between Blade and Spider-Man to the masses uh and just as an asterisk to that <clears throat> i love the blade movies all three of them blade 2 is my favorite don't care what anyone says hell yeah um it's so cool i could quote you that movie word for word uh and i'm very excited for this game for a lot of reasons but i just i have those thoughts in the back of my mind when it comes to this yeah i mean i think that going into blade it is healthier to expect it to be an arcane leon game that is themed around blade than it is to expect it to be a new record setting superhero ip game well said. i think that's how we should all go into it now how many people will do that probably not many but i don't think going into blade and expecting it to be a one-to-one comparison of like playstation has the better superhero game because it's not spider-man is an unhealthy way to think i think right. going into it and thinking like okay sweet the people that made Dishonored are making a sick Blade game. That is what you should go in hoping for mm-hmm. versus trying to make it something that it is almost impossible to live up to. I think that that's an unfair expectation. Mm-hmm. Well said there. Yeah, I so I'm like you, Luke. I don't have the superhero fatigue. I do think uh, certainly in the Marvel realm, especially lately uh, with mainly Disney Plus content, that not everything is hitting and they need to slow their role which reportedly they're doing. So we know a Blade movie is in the works. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Marshala Ali, I believe. Yes. And okay. I wonder if this game comes out around that movie, which I think if Marvel in the years to come has scaled back, uh, like next year, I think Deadpool 3 is like the only project on, on the books in terms of movies. If they bring back their releases, let people let the fatigue subside. I wonder if a blade movie being really good, like that's key number one. And then a blade game also being really good hitting around the same time frame could propel this into a bigger hit for Xbox. But mm-hmm. also part of me kind of feels like maybe they got blade and not like a a tier hero because they're like Xbox isn't the premier console like they're mm-hmm. you know they're not playstation We're, we'll give them something smaller if they knock that one out of the park then we can talk about a bigger hero mm-hmm. it's possible it's possible um and those are just kind of ha- lingering thoughts that i had up after blades kind of uh announcement but teaser but no gameplay who's the developer all that it was just in my, the back of my mind um and please any listeners sound off in comments or let us know on socials if you think we're off base, if you think, you know, you agree with one of us, not the others, because I'm very curious about the pulse of this game. No pun intended. Just, you know, where where does everybody feel about it? Um, I do. I do think oh, that, like, as far as IP goes for games, I think this is both the best and worst year for superhero content. Like IPs have been serviced so well this year with Hogwarts Legacy, with Star Wars, with mm-hmm. Uh, spider-man but then you also on the other side have like the golem game and Mm -hmm. king kong Mm -hmm. so you know i i don't know that there's there is a bubble for that i think that if anything the content that we've seen in the game sphere when it comes to licensed ip is is genuinely been a a vast majority of it has been really really good treated with a lot of respect Mm -hmm. and i don't see that changing in the future um because i don't think that that there's a point like it's not the PS2 era anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think licensors of those IPs are a lot more protective of their of their uh, their IP, and I think that there's there's definitely um, companies that are looking to work more directly with game studios because there tends to be a lot more investment in bringing on good actors to bring to bring to life those roles. I mean, Simon Pegg was in Hogwarts Legacy of all things. Like I never thought that day would come, uh, but. It's it's one of those things where if if Blade comes out, I think that there's a good chance that Sam's right. It'll probably be an Arcane Leon based game. It may not be on level with you know like a Spider Man game, but also Spider Man the first one was really good, but it, it pales in comparison to Spider Man Two, where they've had a few iterations of it. Now they've kind of worked out the formula. So Blade One may be you know good but not like amazing mm-hmm. but that does open the door up for other other characters you know we might start seeing more marvel characters uh or dc characters come to life um and i think games like suicide squad are going to be the real test of how do you how do you do ip uh when it shifts so dramatically from what you're known for suicide squad I'm yeah. super interested to see how well Suicide Squad's like. Is the IP alone enough to make that no. game like a commercial no. success? I don't no. know if the IP alone is is strong <laughs> enough al- alone. <laughs> it doesn't matter how good that game is; it is not going to do well. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it doing good. But I will say, yeah, as we kind of wind down this part of the conversation, DC wants it. 
Like, they're going all out and trying to figure out a way to make a comeback and really compete with Marvel, especially in the cinematic side of things, where James Gunn is revamping that entire direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'd be surprised if they weren't thinking about the future of DC games. Mm -hmm. I think Suicide Squad is probably one that's kind of stuck in the doldrums of, like, old leadership versus new leadership. And so I think that one, I do not expect it to do well either. But then Mm -hmm. looking beyond that, We've got cries of a Superman game out here. Like, can we actually make something from the assets that Suicide Squad already has mm-hmm. uh, and kind of makes make a win out of this? Some of the work that's already been done. So I do think that it'll be an, an interesting next couple of years. And I also would love to see if Blade is a success, which I do think that it will be if you're looking for that Arcane Leon game. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we see other IP and characters licensed out to other studios of like, hey, we think they would be a good fit for this. Go do it. And then we'll see what happens. Just experimental kind of stuff. Agreed. Agreed and well said, uh, Sam. Guys, I as we transition away from that, I've heard a lot about you know NPD numbers and software. Uh, software is doing great. You know now that Xbox owns Activision, we're seeing some kind of cool. You know Xbox games are in the top whatever of of sales, and that's been really neat. But interestingly, next to that, I've seen a lot of hardware sales being down, and I found that fascinating. And I I wonder if, and I have to suspect. A reaction. I see you. A reaction to that isn't the price reductions that we've now got in the Xbox Series X. And seeing the really good sales we had around Black Friday, where you could get Call of Duty and Diablo with a Series X for, you know, well under $400 or, or something like that. Um, now we've got official word that the Series X is down to $400. And we're seeing it at Target and other places for around $350, sometimes bundled, mm-hmm. sometimes not. And that that has subsequently seen the Series S, while unofficially, come down in price in some places. I'm really excited by that news because I want more people into the ecosystem. Um, Logan, you seem to have pretty emotional reactions for any audio listener. He was waving his hands around while I was trying to get to the Series X point. It's it's so not what what are people playing these on? Like, why are (laughs) what is the software doing that people are just like, I, I mean, I'm an outlier. I've got two Xboxes in the, in one room from two different generations. I have an Xbox and a PS5 in a in a uh, out in the other room. I've got a Switch in this room and a Switch in the bedroom. Like I'm trying here, folks. I'm trying real hard to get, get these hardware sales up. I'm tempted to go out to Costco today just to go see if I can find one of those $150 Series S's. I, I don't know what's going on with hardware sales. They're, they're down across the board. I don't know if it's just a market if it's if it's just like people aren't buying consoles this year but bro of 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 the year of 2023 that we've had so many amazing games for just about everyone the fact that the hardware sales are down 20% across the board blows my mind <laughs> what is going on yeah it's it's definitely shocking to see hardware sales for Xbox down the way that they are I also think about Xbox, too, and putting yourself in the shoes of the high schooler that's out there. I mean, Luke, I'm sure that you run into the the school age kind of situation a lot, Mm -hmm. but it's almost like if all of your friends have an iPhone and then you get an Android, if everybody else has a PlayStation 5, Mm -hmm. then whenever you're going to your parents for Christmas and they're like, hey, what do you want? 
No, I want to play PS5 because if I don't, my friends are going to make fun of me. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. still an active thing in that age range of the gaming community. And, you know, we're, we're beyond that. And we're on a podcast about Xbox. So obviously we're all in on the ecosystem. But I think the PlayStation, just by word of mouth and the reputation they've built, still has a lead. And that's holding back people from going in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think, however, these prices are insane. Mm-hmm. And even for people that already have a PlayStation 5, I mean, at $150 for a console and a headset bundled together, mm-hmm. you almost cannot pass that up. It's almost at that impulse buy of like, I mean, sure, why not? If you're going to give it to me, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is at that level where I do think this is going to have a big impact on numbers. I don't know if it's going to really move the needle like you're going to be able to see a huge spike in the graph and this is going to change the tides. But more people are absolutely uh, going to be picking them up at these prices. And three fifty for an X is crazy. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think when you look at and, and uh, Kev, I don't mean to cut you off. I'll have you jump in right after when you see the efforts by Xbox to build relationships worldwide, specifically with Japanese style games, you see the game awards where so many of those games uh, were. were uh, anime-esque uh, types, the, the, the bonds they're strengthening. They're trying to appeal to many of the games that have gained popularity on PlayStation to bring come in at this price to know if, if any consumer is unaware, like to, to, to know that you can have Game Pass and have so much at your fingertips and see the day one stuff coming from, uh, you know, all the Persona games, Sega Atlas, that kind of stuff. I'm really excited for people to take advantage of these deals and check them out um, some of those games I, I referenced, Kevin, are, are in your wheelhouse. Am I off base on, on thinking that as a PlayStation gamer, it, with, with the games that you might be accustomed to, you could find a new home at Xbox comfortably? So it depends on what series you're looking for. There's no doubt that PlayStation is still the go-to for JRPGs and Japanese-focused mm-hmm. games. There mm-hmm. are a lot of series that, while I think Xbox is doing a good job in getting a lot of the bigger ones, mm-hmm. there are a lot of these smaller series that still do well. I think of the Trail series from Falcom, which I love. That's still only playstation and they're expanding to switch now though that's Mm -hmm. their focus so like when they're sitting down at their investors meetings they're not even talking about like should we bring games to xbox um they have i think one game on Mm -hmm. xbox uh, from the ease series but there that is still like for the smaller teams like uh, atelier riso which does well like they just need to continue their work to get the that audience in. But I think making the prices this this reasonable, especially for Series S, which we know does well in the Japanese market. Like mm-hmm. I think Walmart was having them at like one thirty, even lower than Costco in some areas. So like mm-hmm. it is one of those things where I'm looking at, it, I was like, I don't need this, but like one thirty for a, a console is mm-hmm. is absolutely stellar and. It's funny, like just anecdote, like I know um, my my girlfriend's sister, hit, she she texted me and she was like, oh, I'm, I'm getting a I'm getting a PlayStation five because our PlayStation three just died. Like they're very casual They're <laughs> Yeah, they have very party games like we'll play it when we have people over for like certain things. Mm-hmm. But an Xbox didn't even jump into their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, like the casual gaming market, when they think gaming, they still think PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So they, I think having these sorts of deals can allow them to say, like, if I'm in the in the market 
an Xbox is a lot cheaper than a, a PlayStation right now, which, especially with the new variant that they're putting out where we see a price increase almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I think about, you know, I wonder, part of me wonders if they're trying to clear inventory because it's, uh, you know, rumors of the next iterations. We saw the the leaks and that kind of stuff. Nonetheless, I, I hope that families are taking a chance uh, and, and checking out a new brand Xbox for sure. If you're a listener of this show and you're just a gamer and you enjoy kind of consuming our content, one, we appreciate you, but absolutely should you be taking a moment and, and giving these deals a look because there's a lot of gaming to be had and less and less is the PlayStation only category, right? Particularly given the panache and uh, whatever other cool word applies now that Xbox owns Activision, they have more sway in the industry. Mm-hmm. It'd be really interesting to see kind of what goes on there. Um, gents, I I think we can go ahead and skip some of this stuff um, that, that is in our topic for leftovers and whatnot, but uh, we did have some listener mail. We had some listener reviews that I want to touch on. And then I'll invite you to return to any topic that you're interested in. Uh, but Logan, we did have a listener question about the Skull and Bones beta. Skull and Bones is your area. And I am so overhearing about this one. But Anubis, uh, amazing listener of the show, asked if you had any thoughts on the beta. Are you still tuned in to yeah. Skull and Bones? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll be I'll be doing my six hours this weekend at some point. Um, yeah, there's a beta going on right now, starting uh, 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 yesterday and then going, I think, until the I want to say it's going till the 18th, um, but that's coming out on February 16th. Skull and Bones has been one heck of a story, um, but recently they flew out a bunch of CFEs creators and other content creators to visit the studio in Singapore to talk with the developers who were working on it um, to get an idea of what things are going to look like, how how actual is the February 16 launch date. And things are positive. Um, every Sea of Thieves content creator that I know that has dumped thousands of hours into that game has had a positive and excited approach to Skull and Bones, especially for many that don't know the legacy of how this game was literally in development and expected to launch the same year as sea of thieves which was five years ago at this point who you're if you're if you're looking at skull and bones and wondering if this is actually going to be a good game yes this is going to be a, a good game uh I, I don't know if it's going to be a great game but they've definitely gone through thought a lot about it you can see the passion you can see the love and the care that they've put into it every subsequent beta that i have played that is technically under nda has come out with a more and more positive experience. Um, I've I've seen this game at its worst. I've seen this game now where it's in its best state ever. Uh, I do think that the limited limitation of six hours is interesting. I think they're trying to keep a lot of the story and stuff uh, limited so that folks aren't getting too much progress that won't carry over. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, if if you like Assassin's Creed Black Flag, this is just more of that with an expansion of of story and rpg elements in uh that pirate fantasy there is power progression there's cosmetics and you're going to run into those ubisoft um cosmetic uh pitfalls uh that every every one of their games has but nothing is going to force you to buy those nothing is going to force you to subscribe to their seasonal pass content that will potentially make its way to this game um if you're just looking for a, a good pirate based game that is is going to be kind of in some aspects uh assassin's creed black flag 
uh, you're going to enjoy this. Nice. Any interest, Kev, Jam, Jam Pack Sam, anything there? Not for me. Uh, this isn't my type of game. I've, I'm often criticizing Ubisoft, so uh, <laughs> their games don't appeal to me. But from what the screenshots I've seen and from what I've heard, this is in a much better state than it would if it had actually released, you know, one of the six times it was delayed. Yeah. yeah. I have uh, requested a code uh, through the Ubisoft creators program. So I think that email is coming shortly. I actually did it this morning because I do want to jump in myself and give it a shot. But um, I have moderate interest. Like I loved Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag, loved the sailing in that game. I thought they really did well. And of course, that's kind of the um, start of, of the Skull and Bones journey of how it came to be in general. So it's going to be fun to see how they've kind of honed in on what that final experience is going to be. I'm just ready for this game to come out. Ubisoft has been on kind of a hot streak this year of releasing really good games. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're not game of the year contenders, but they're good. Like I know, Luke, you talk about the Crew Motor Fest. I also mm -hmm. like the Crew Motor Fest. Uh, Mirage is really fun. And I think that they have a lot of wins to celebrate. But Skull and Bones is kind of like Beyond Good and Evil 2, where it's like this black eye on this upcoming games list they've got. And it's kind of like, well... If it's good, awesome. If it's just out, then we'll move on and we'll figure out what the future of Ubisoft looks like uh, and, and just take it from there. But yeah, I have, I would say out of 10, I have an interest of six. We'll go with that. Can, can I just add, I, I, this is not, I'm not trolling. I think the game should be delayed from February 16th. I think February 16th is a terrible release date for this game. It is going to be that. so overshadowed. I agree with that. I mean, they were willing to launch it the day after God of War last year. Yeah, there are choices it, being made. They they were they were comfortable with knowing that God of War it was God of War, right? In November, it was like November tenth or something. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, like they were they were okay with it being like, hey, yeah, we could we could one hundred percent like let this thing just like roll out right after a major game release. That's fine. I I don't think they're worried so much about that. I think that they they know that their that their audience is going to be a very niche audience and as a result the the you know the broad scope of of skull and bones won't actually be i mean i was i i saw ads now ads are rolling on twitch heavily uh and they've got like their their promo shots and stuff with uh their version of of wellerman um, which is hilarious because that was a a shanty band that that latched on to sea of thieves mm -hmm. and now is being appropriated by by skull and bones for their advertising uh, which hopefully that that team that that band actually got paid well for it, but I, I I'm I think that they don't care at this point. I think that they are confident that their product is going to hit with the community that it will, which is why they invited who they did, and that's that's enough for them. I think they're they're ready to be kind of good and and sign off on this project and let it be done. At the risk of sounding like an idiot, what's wrong with February sixteenth? So from January 26th through probably March, there's like tons of high profile releases. Okay. Um, I do, now I'm not saying that the, there might not be crossover with this audience, but I'm just saying there's a lot of big releases coming out. So maybe, maybe it could be pushed a little. Yeah, I mean, to their benefit, I'm looking at the Game Informer release calendar, which is always great. Just GameInformer.com slash 2024. They have 2023 and the rest of the years up there as well. Um, but there, there's nothing that's like wild coming out in direct proximity of it. Like the other big releases for February I'm seeing are like Suicide Squad and on the PlayStation side, Helldivers 2, 
but nothing that's like, I mean, February 29th is Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, so thank God they're getting out of the way of that. But like, I, I think it, it could survive. It could weather the storm if we're sticking with the sailing, the sailing analogies here. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. But more importantly, Turn a Boy Robs a Bank comes out January 18th. So I know you does guys it really? Forward. It does. It does. I didn't know that. I'm yeah. actually I'm going to play that. Yeah, coming soon. I don't know what Turn a Boy is. It, he committed I, tax I, evasion. Yeah. Turn a Boy commits tax evasion. It was a Game Pass game. It's like three hours long. Pretty easy. Hundred percent. This is the sequel. He's robbing a bank now. Oh, okay. Sounds uh, <laughs> neat. <laughs> uh, guys, um, a long-awaited update has arrived uh, to a major Xbox game, and I feel like Logan and I consistently don't include this when we talk about Xbox IP, and that's Minecraft, um, Minecraft proper. There was a, a new Minecraft update arriving, and included in it is 4K support for Series S and X consoles. I am sure this matters to someone out there, but I can remember... There was an Xbox event some years ago where the 4K update was a very big deal. Um, sure, cool. I will tell you, my students play Minecraft all the time. None of them associate it with Xbox whatsoever, um, but they are all playing Minecraft. So I think that's neat to say that it's finally happened. Next to some of the great updates we've seen to a lot of Xbox properties, we talk a lot on this show about th- how well Xbox manages a number of their service games from State of Decay 2, Logan, uh, which I consistently forget as a sta- as a service game, uh, but Grounded, Sea of Thieves, Halo Infinite, uh, just they do a great job at providing content to live service. To see that Minecraft is getting the 4K update to me is very cool. That's I thought it was I really surprised. I, I, I could have swore that the 4K was like available. I didn't realize like 4K was not available on Minecraft. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean 4K? This is... This is this is like Minecraft. Like, why isn't this already a thing? Yeah. If if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But like, I don't, know. I don't no, think you're not you're wrong. wrong. Yeah. yeah. Okay. My understanding was that the PC version for years now has been the vastly superior version, and console players have been asking for the 4K uh, update since the Series X came out because it was it was apparently promised for ages um yeah. and we finally are getting it uh i'm I'm, ba- I'm very happy that the community is finally getting this much requested update and the visuals i'm sure will make those blocks look great i think the other question too is looking at like i was just googling it to make sure that it hadn't launched yet but i know that there's the minecraft ray tracing windows stuff out there that yeah. adds like really in-depth reflections and things the 4k this is like an exciting xbox one x announcement but I'm ready for the next like, right. Give me give me real next gen upgrades for Minecraft that are beyond just like, <sighs> oh, sick. It's not upscaled anymore. So when, when ray tracing drops, you'll have my attention. And by have my attention, I mean, I'll, I'll just clap for them and not go play. But, <laughs> exactly. You know. That's what I was saying, like, but, like, will you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to go back and play Minecraft. No. Absolutely not. No. And <laughs> I have friends that play Minecraft, but that's not me. I'm not going to do that. Nerds. I just I just yeah. checked and gamertweak.com has it listed that 4K was initially promised back in 2017. Mm. Yeah. That was the year Breath of the Wild was launched. And yeah. the year of the One X, right, Sam? Yeah. Is that what you, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think 2017 was the One X release year, I believe. Yeah. yeah. That's wild to me. 
I'm glad that they're finally getting it. That is bonkers. I, that game deserves more support than than what they they give it, honestly, because it feels like Lego Fortnite is starting to like creep up on that territory. And I think a lot of people are having fun with that. And it makes me think like, oh, Minecraft is a lot, but I don't think they're really shouting from the rooftops. And when they're they're like, hey, we're adding the 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 armadillo. It's like, okay, guys, let's think bigger. Let's, let's get you, some, come you on. Say, you say that, but it's still like among younger audiences, it's still the go-to. Like my girlfriend's nephew, I went over and they were like, oh yeah, we're just, they just discovered Minecraft. They're playing it on the tablet. They're like, can you, can you help? I was like, I have no idea how to play Minecraft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the other thing is yeah. like, how many people are... How many regular Minecraft players are booting it up today and noticing it or whenever this update drops and noticing anything different than the day that they were playing previously? Like, you know, if there's a 4K update for a big AAA game like a Call of Duty or a Battlefield, not that they're already in 4K, but you get what I'm trying to say. Like if if there's a bigger update for a game where fidelity is more important, then people are going to freak out about it. But I kind of get not that I'm making excuses, but I get why this isn't like, all right, we need to get this out this year. Because it's not going to make any difference for people's gameplay experience, and probably it's not going to drive any conversation beyond us talking about it here. But Look, they're going to have sharper, sharper corners on those blocks. Oh yeah. No more anti-aliasing. No more fuzzy edges. It's going to be crisp. Yes, and I am sure that uh, Kevin's family will absolutely notice that on there while they're playing on a tablet. So I guess it they better. Matter. Yeah, heathens. I love your family. <laughs> um. <laughs> Before we get to listener mail, I think I, we've had a community review written by Anubis316 uh, about Robocop Rogue City that I, I want to read to you guys. He was kind enough to write this in over on Discord. Uh, I love when we get community reviews because it allows us to cover a game that isn't necessarily in our wheelhouse. Uh, speaking of, Kevin, please come write some for some JRPGs. Uh, <clears throat> this review comes from Anubis316 about Robocop. Uh, he says... RoboCop is an excellent game from a simpler time. I was not expecting to like the game this much. The Gamescom gameplay looked rough, and I'm not really a RoboCop fan, but there was enough insider praise to give it a shot, and I really couldn't put it down. Before I go further, I'd like to say this game isn't pushing the industry forward in any way. Graphics are good, but not great. The mouths don't really line up with the words, and the whole game is kind of stiff. But surprisingly, that works for a RoboCop game. These criticisms criticisms that I have actually worked and added to these criticisms have actually worked and add to the experience. My last disclaimer is that I'm a 35 year old Halo fan and linear, simpler first person shooters are my favorite genre. Now, what makes for the game to be so good? The story is fun and pretty well written. It doesn't do anything surprising, but the concept of a dystopian city run by a corrupt government and private corporation is easy to grasp and enjoyable for most people. I thought the dialogue was really good. Even the random NPC dialogue that happens as you walk by is always worth listening to. The game is mostly linear, but a small handful of blocks in Detroit are free to walk around in. The weapon selection is mostly your is mostly your iconic pistol with infinite ammo and a handful of others. I think it was two shotguns, two pistols, an assault rifle, a micro Uzi sniper RPG, and my favorite was the LMG. There is a skill tree that wasn't super important, but it was nice to have. Some upgrades are actually pretty nice, but playing on normal, I really don't need any of them. Uh, 
To wrap this up, I can't recommend this game enough. I would give it a 9 out of 10 because of the fun I had, but again, I want to point to it being a double-A RoboCop game, and that allowed it more forgiveness than if this was, say, a Halo game. That is Anubis's review. Thank you, Anubis. Uh, 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. From the IP people is who- doing good, man. IP, IP content is doing real good right now. I think everyone's fine with it. I liked the yeah. Terminator game these guys made. And I love that he found the fun for sure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I think that's the important element here is that like it's a new RoboCup game in 2023 and it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Went all around like that's that's neat to see. So I'm glad to hear that. Uh, glad to hear that you enjoyed it. So thanks for that review. Mm-hmm. And it had Peter Weller doing the actual voice. Mm-hmm. Like how often do you get? I mean, you're not going to you're not going to get uh, Homelander's voice in Mortal Kombat one. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a that's a mark. Of, that's a boon for RoboCop. It's yeah. True. It's true. I, when I played Terminator Resistance, there were some uh, likenesses in the game to not Schwarzenegger, but the guy from Terminator 2 uh, who played T-1000. Oh, uh, Patrick. There. I can't think of his name. It was Patrick something. Now I can't think of what it is. We're going to call him Jonathan. Robert uh, Hammond Patrick. I got you. Patrick. Thanks. That's there where it was. Go. Okay. Googling. Excellent work there. Nice uh, nonetheless. Finding the fun has been our theme in 2023, and I love that this person found the fun in it. Anubis, you are awesome. Um, I am going to play RoboCop at some point because I did enjoy the Terminator so much. And like, again, that's my jam. Double A. I'm still struggling to get through Atlas Fallen Fallen because I'm playing all these seasonal events and games, which is fun. Uh, Gents, we had some listener uh, listeners write in that I want to reference. The first one coming from Game Together Pod over on Twitter. Uh, They ask, what do you think about The Last of Us Online factions along with the state of Sony's ecosystem? Do you do they feel the heat from Xbox or is this just inevitable? Uh, boys, while you form your thought, I want to reference that The Last of Us factions being canceled sucks for anybody that wanted to play it. Um, I had no personal interest in it, but it does suck. I don't understand dunking on them for this. I think that that fanboy-esque approach is silly. Um, I do think it stinks that they promised this. At, there were some articles dug up. They did say multiplayer. They did say uh, and, uh, Last of Us Online was going to be part of the package if you purchase Last of Us 2. To me, I think that's very silly. It, it reminds me of when Logan talks about Redfall and the Bike Back Edition because you got the complete game, but then there's promised content. So, like, it, you know, Lo- Logan's consistently right when he says it. They have promised us two characters in Red, two characters in Redfall. Same energy towards Last of Us. You have promised us online. You didn't deliver. Where do the, does the ups, upsetness go? But I I don't feel bad about it. And as far as feeling heat from Xbox, yes, but no. Like yes, that was their whole thing. That's why Jim Ryan in his tenure was trying to push games as a service. But also no. Come on, they're selling out nonstop. PlayStation's fine. That's my take. Jump in, anybody. Uh. I mean, I'll jump in if you don't mind, Logan. Um, I I really have a problem with the need for every multiplayer game to be live service these days. And I tweeted as much where remember 10 years ago where you bought a game and it came with a multiplayer mode and we didn't expect it to go on forever those are the days that I wish we could get back to. I know, Logan, you love your live service games. And I've dabbled it. Like, I played Crash Team Rumble this year. I got the 100% in Crash Team Rumble. Like, but after I got the 100%, I'm okay with letting it 
go. Like maybe I'll go back and jump in, but if there isn't a constant stream of content, like that's okay for me. And I'm ready for people to call me a boomer and say like the industry is, has progressed uh, and now things need to be live service. But if Naughty Dog had put out the last of us factions or online, and it was just like, we're going to support it for two years or like, this is the game, like all the contents in there. This is a multiplayer only game, have fun with it. And then when it dies, it dies. I don't know why that's a bad thing. Why can't we just accept like I paid $70. I got a worthwhile experience out of that for the time it lasted and then move on. Sam, you want to jump in with your, yeah, with I, your I thoughts? Know, I, yeah. So it's loading the shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, there's, I there's feel like for each of you. <laughs> I feel personally like if you look at the explanation they gave, I think it's a really Mm -hmm. great transparent moment of, hey, do you want Naughty Dog games or do you want this to become the next Bungie where we're just churning out content continually for this thing that is unproven and may not be successful? And I think that that's a really grounded take. And I think that that's the direction that they chose to go is the right one to to choose for Naughty Dog and for where they want to go as a studio, because that's where their creative passions lie. I think that's a really good and wise and mature choice for them to make. And it also shows that Sony has agreed to this. They have listened and said, all right, well, you're not wrong. Go for it. Um, I do think that this entire situation with live service games and the focus that Sony has been putting has made them seem like they're finally not infallible. Like they have for so long seemed like they can do no wrong. And now you're starting to see where the strategy they've been going for for the past five years or so or building up to for the past five years or so might not be the direction that they need to go or want to go. And so now they're having to pay the price of like, all right, we're going from 12 to six or whatever their live service game total was. We're cutting factions. We're refinagling. So I think behind the scenes, there's nothing wrong uh, at Sony in particular, but it does show that PlayStation strategy is shifting around. And as for the Xbox putting the heat on, I think that it's impossible for anybody to exist in the gaming space without looking at what the other person's doing. Mm -hmm. But PlayStation definitely kind of has a Nintendo vibe to it where they're focusing on their own ecosystem. And I don't think that what Xbox is doing is directly playing into their strategy in any kind of big grand way. See, that is the that is the appropriate that is the appropriate answer. Thank you, Sam. Uh, I'm not getting Luke, shot. Thank God. <laughs> Luke, Luke, your Come comparison to the buyback edition versus an entire multiplayer mode is an unfair comparison, I think. Okay. Uh, I think that to adding two characters to a game is way different than building out an entire multiplayer system mm-hmm. um, for, for people to, like servers aside. They've already got that multiplayer system built in. So it's just like adding another operator in Call of Duty, in my opinion. But uh, Logan, my back edition to quote my good friend and co-host, sometimes I consider him a brother even um, you were promised that when you purchased it. Yeah, I'm still patiently waiting for it. I was promised factions when I purchased Last of Us 2. That's fair, but that is there's a much larger undertaking that is is it was not like factions was included with the price of the original game. Buyback edition was an additional purchase. Mm-hmm. Good point, good point. Good point. Um to Kevin's point, which now I feel like I'm losing uh the the oh oh the 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 being one and done with the multiplayer um, we've seen that from PlayStation and I would argue that it has died. And as a result is not the, the, uh, Reese or the, uh, the reoccurring revenue that would actually have done well. 
And I'm speaking to Ghost of Tsushima's uh, uh, one month later launch of the multiplayer. They had an entire like asymmetrical multiplier uh, game that was a lot like Firefight in some ways that you could play through in Ghost of Tsushima, which is a fantastic game. It's still one of the uh, most expensive games that you can buy on PlayStation because the value has retained so well for it. They haven't had to deep discount it too often. Um, They've gone on to do a DLC update for that that they sold to Iki Island, which did decently well, but they're pushing on to the next content. The problem with uh, Ghost of Tsushima's multiplayer is that um, even though it came out for free with the price of the game when you bought it, they ended up selling it separately. The 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 multiplayer, the matchmaking there probably is still very, very low. It's probably not uh, many people jumping into that. So if you do that for factions, it's going to be good, but that is time spent developing on a system that you know has a half-life. And, and, and to Sam's point... If you're going to do that, you have to decide, are we going to do something that is going to actually warrant the cost of investment in making this system? And if we do, we have to go all in because you have expectations with that. There's content that has to be delivered, updates that have to be done, balanced performance that needs to be uh, tweaked on, on a live, on you know, on hot fixes and stuff like that. You're going to be in it for the next couple of years. And if you're not wholeheartedly putting it into that, people are going to write it off real quick and it's going to die within the first year, like many other games as a service do. Which, but my point, uh, not to, my point was, why does it have to be a live service? Why does multiplayer in 2023, 2024 mean live service? Why have we gotten to the point where that's the expectation? Why can we no longer say, we made a $70 multiplayer only experience jam, like all the content that you will ever need or that we're going to make is there at launch. Here you go, have fun. And however long that lasts, whether it's months, that is the product. You pay, just like a single player game, you, you paid the $70, you had your fun, time to move on. I think because you can't sell it at $70. And I'll point to Star Wars Squadrons as the example. It was a $40 game that was multiplayer only. They touted it as not being a games as a service. And who talks about playing that game? That's fine, though. But like, in my opinion, that's fine. Like, I'm okay with things dying and ending. I'm okay with us right. moving on. I think if you if that's the perspective, then that that's 100% fine. But I think that if you're going to make a multiplayer game, people get frustrated when servers get shut down on stuff like people people are annoyed when they can't jump back into that. Look at the resurgence that we saw just this year with Call of Duty when they brought back the the mm -hmm. uh, the servers to be able to jump into that people were playing more Call of Duty. That was old Call of Duty games on old servers because those servers were online. If you build a game that is only going to have like a shelf life of one to two years for a multiplayer game and then you turn off those servers, because that is cost investment in somewhere. And that has to be maintained. Even Heroes of the Storm still gets uh, patch updates from some random person that I don't even think Mike Yabara knows who's doing <laughs> it. Uh, but those servers are still running. StarCraft 2 servers are still running. Diablo 2 servers, Diablo 1 servers are still running. And... Things like that all still have cost investments involved. So if you're going to do that, then you have to try and like determine how much money are you going to set aside for a game that is not getting any more revenue. It does not have any kind of cosmetic um, influx coming as far as like 
what is going to support those server costs. And as a studio that predominantly does single player content like Naughty Dog, I don't blame them for staying sticking to their guns and saying like, this was a Jim Ryan decision to try and do games as a service. It's not going to pan out the way we like it because it's not the type of studio that we are. It's not the culture that we wanted to, to kind of cultivate here. We're going to stick with single player content because that's what we're good at. And that's exactly what people expect from us. And yeah. I think that 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 should be a very well touted thing to do is it's like it's OK that those are, are not going to be live service games and don't have multiplayer aspects mm-hmm. to them. I would well, also say that the, any multiplayer game that comes out today Like, I totally agree with Kevin here that not every game needs to be this continually live service thing that I have to keep coming back to week after week. But we can't get out of the fact that any multiplayer game that comes out in 2023, if it's touted as a multiplayer game, is going to be held to that expectation from players of like, well, where's all the content? Like, I've... I've done, I finished the battle pad, like the, the base thing. What's next? Like there, now there's this, we always have this carrot on the end of the stick trying to get us to keep coming back. And if that carrot isn't there for better or for worse, then we're going to be like, ah, oh, what the heck? This wasn't worth my time, but yeah. I wish it was different, but that's just kind of the way that things are now. I think that's, that's fair. That's completely, I, I get my problem. Isn't with the studio. It's with the expectation of players in 2023, 2024. Is that that is what we expect from from multiplayer games, the constant live service, constant updates, which I'm glad Naughty Dog is like, we're going to make single player games. Great. I'm happy with that. I think that's fair. I I, I don't disagree with those. Good convo, guys. I enjoyed listening, even though I glazed over at part of it. I was like, oh, gosh. I started to fade. Uh, we have our final question coming from Lucas Egan. Uh, thankful, thank you to Lucas, by the way, because uh, he found us via, via you, uh, Mr. Kevin Ainsworth. So we appreciate you. Uh, Lucas asks, which Xbox franchise is most in need of reinvention? Um, I thought about this question a good bit because I got to see it early. And I feel like we've seen Xbox do this a couple times in terms of like Minecraft with Dungeons and Legends, Gears with Tactics, Halo with Halo Wars and Spartan Strike, Spartan Assault. We've even seen uh, a good arcade game in terms of uh, Fireteam Raven from Halo. So I feel like Halo's good at this. Um, my gut check response was that uh, Gears would be a great choice and a lot of people are wanting gears back uh, both in way of marcus phoenix collection and uh gear six but gears is a universe right for survival horror um and i also think we've not seen enough of the onyx guard which are the spec ops characters from gears i'd love to see a first person shooter uh based on gadgets and stealth uh going through and basically doing things in that world as like a rogue onyx guard or an onyx guard that's trying to survive you know emergence day and save some of the 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 not mvps the some of the you know super important people on emergence day to to get the the presidents out and stuff like that i'd love to see that happen um i think so i think that's a universe that could be explored more outside of its standard um but I invite you guys to jump in with any thoughts that you have for any Xbox IP. They got a big war chest. Yeah, I'm kind of looking through a list right now just to refresh myself on it. It's hard to really pick one that I think deserves a a reinvention, I guess. But looking at what they did with Battletoads, just as an example, like I know that wasn't developed by a first party, but like it was a first party IP mm-hmm. to have a 
reimagining of what that looks like in 2023, I think is really neat. Um, but beyond that, I mean, looking at the list, we have we have Banjo-Kazooie with the Battletoads kind of skew on it. Like that could be a thing that I think could be worthwhile for them to come back to. Uh, yeah. But they're already doing the one that I would probably pick of like Fable. Like it was so ready for the next evolution of what that series is, then I think that that's going to be one to keep your eye on. But that's that's my half answer, I guess, is the best way to put it. Banjo doesn't need a reinvention. It was perfect. They nailed it the first time. That's just a new game. So good that Bound. they've made lots of games. About, oh, that's weird. You know, they haven't made a Banjo game in a while because it wasn't worth it. Stupid game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Banjo's a great game. It's better than Mario 64. Um, <laughs> everyone, everyone constantly says Mario 64 revolutionized the 3D platform genre. Banjo actually did it. So um, just want to throw that out there. I'm gonna I'm gonna retort that and say that Banjo was uh, stood on the he stood on the shoulders of Mario 64 and Zelda to get where it is. Uh, Mario's not even a, a good character. Mar- Mario kind of sucks. To be honest, <laughs> Mario is the everyman. Mario we- is is the the guy that that is is every profession. He's the most relatable. Yeah, Lu- he's Luigi's won the Olympics. Better. Has Banjo won the Olympic? Has has Banjo here's, outrun here's what, Sonic? Here's what Banjo contributes to society. <laughs> <laughs> Luigi's better than Mario. Um, That's true. I'm not, I agree with that. Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Luigi's Mansion better than better than Mario games. Um, I think Gears of War. I said this: make Gears horror again. We need to get back to its roots. Make it scary. Um, what was that word? Horror. 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 Horror for some I love my horror gangs. You know, if you're from Boston, you say horror. Um, what needs a, rein, a reinvention? Uh, Gears comes to mind. Fable is also my pick for for what like I wanted to bring back. Um, I want to see a new cameo game. I know this might be like a, the hottest of takes, but I really would like to see them give that IP another go because I don't think it was like the worst idea i just don't think they nailed it on the 360 but like that 360 launch lineup also had things like perfect dark zero which not a very good game and they're trying that their hand with that one again so why don't we uh why don't we give cameo another shot oh and rise son of rome too oh there you go okay okay i still need to play rise it's great it's it's like on the back backlog Sorry, I hated Rise. I love Rise. I was gonna say I've heard this conversation recently of how much Luke hates Rise. So, listen, if they just get rid of the quick time events, it's a good. The story's good. They just gotta improve the game, the the combat. Yeah. Well, back when Rise came out, they thought you'd use your Xbox just to watch TV anyway, so it mm-hmm. wasn't really a focus for them anyway. Mm-hmm. That's what we do use it for now. I don't watch TV on my Xbox. Me either. What do you watch your TV on? My TV. The app so that I, I voodoo or Hulu or whatever. Roku. Yeah, I got a Roku. You don't go through your Xbox for this? No, I hate that. I hate it no. actively bothers me when I like I see people doing that. I don't know why. It's just like a weird <laughs> thing for me. Same. It's faster to do the built in TV one. Usually, usually. Uh, OK, I think we're all speaking from a bit of privilege with our LG's C1s, the OLEDs. 
I have I a, a lot of TCL in the house somewhere. Me too, downstairs. That's the, yeah, that's the living room TV. Mine's the guest room TV. <laughs> <laughs> My OLED. So um, the, in-laws, the in-laws get to use the TCL. That's, My that's right. TV is a TCL, so just going to. Whoa! Yeah. You know yeah, what? I, I'm uh, not hating on you one bit, Sam. No, yeah. I, hate on you one I, I took that uh, I took that COVID stimulus money and immediately bought a 65 inch TCL like I'm sure the uh, government intended for me to do. So I, that's what I bought my OLED with. I saw I bought my OLED also. I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm at home 18 hours out of the day, minimally, probably more than that in the peak COVID. I might as well have a big TV, there you, you know, if we're going to live through this. There you go. And nothing wrong with it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Well, boys, uh, oh, wait, Sam, did you want to say reinvention? Did you? You said Battletoads. I did mine, but I do have an additional one that I'm just going to throw out there, and that would be a first-person wasteland game. I feel like that is a big potential win. And you might say, I think that's Fallout. It could be, but it could also not be. So I'm going to throw that one out there for consideration. There you go. Okay, I'm there for it. I'm there for it. Well, guys, I feel like we have had uh, a fantastic run. I want to make sure I didn't skip anything. I don't think I did. Um, is there any topic that we have not touched on that any of you would like to bring up before we start to close out here? I'm hearing crickets. I I don't think so. I I, I would just uh, recommend everyone if you guys get a chance, go and try out some of the uh, the the events that are going on right now. I know Luke and I have been diving a lot into like the winter events and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's always my favorite season is when they're doing something special with the uh, games that you're familiar with. So mm-hmm. go check out uh, your favorite game. See if they've got like a winter update. I guarantee you they probably do. Absolutely. Winter Contingency 3 next week. Halo Infinite, December 19th. So excited. Not, not, ha- not an ad, not sponsored, but coming soon. <laughs> I'm excited for that for sure. And the firefight XP changes. Ready for that too. Oh, very cool. Yep. Yep. I want a new mech assault game. Mm. Or Steel Battalion to come back. Yeah. Titanfall 3. Yes. Remember, remember when Jeff Keeley said the makers of uh, 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 Titanfall. <laughs> and then nothing happened? That was real frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> real frustrating. If Steel Battalion comes back, can I also get that controller? The, the original would, Xbox Steel Battalion controller. That's what I want, dude. I want to have like a, a time where I can sit down and, and actually afford to have a $200 console controller. Like, yes. That isn't just like a, oh, I've got a super duper cool scuff dealy bob kind of thing. And it's like, no, I want like 200 buttons and two joy, three joysticks, three joysticks, one that I have to operate with my foot. Like yeah. on the ground, like I, I want a full on kind of like system thing. I don't want to putty around with just like having to like remap my back buttons. MetaQuest yeah. I mean, 4, it's all virtual. Oh, I mean, that, that would be. We didn't even get to that topic either. Xbox app now being available on MetaQuest 3. Go, Dozens go of play that. Excited. That's about it. Yeah. All right, gents. I'm going to let you guys do your plugs after mine. You guys can find me on Twitter at Insipid Ghost. And of course, you're listening to XEP. And I encourage you to like, share, subscribe, comment on whatever platform you indeed are listening on. Uh, I will also say a very hearty thank you to uh, Kevin Ainsworth and Jam Pack Sam. We appreciate you both for joining us from Project X Talk over at Save Game Media. I want you guys to make sure you plug your shows accordingly. Logan, what do we got going on on Keelhauled and where can we find you on socials? Uh, right now, Keelhauled is uh, doing the community episode this weekend, um, bringing in folks to talk about their experience in the latest season, as well as anything they want to talk about, say for C's, 
Um, there's a, a seasonal stuff going on in Sea of Thieves coming up next week, I think. So uh, just keep an eye out for that. Um, a lot of people just wanting to know what's going to happen with season uh, 11. Otherwise, you can find me over on Twitter and threads at C-A-P-T underscore L-O-G-U-N or in the Discord for XEP. There we go there. Jam Pack Sam. Yeah, you can find me uh, everywhere at Jam Pack Sam. I'm on threads. I'm on YouTube. I'm on uh, TikTok, Instagram, always putting out content throughout the week, talking about gaming news. And then, of course, over on Project X Talk with Save Game Media every single Thursday when we just when we record on Thursdays, mostly Thursdays, but depends on what we got going on. But mostly Thursdays, uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, sit down with Kevin, talk the news of the week. So I appreciate everybody checking that out. There you go. Mr. Ainsworth. Uh, yeah, uh, first, another thank you for to both of you for having us on. Uh, had a great time hanging out with you. But you can find me over on Twitter at The Muffin Mon. It's a 1 instead of an I and an O instead of an A. You can follow uh, our podcast network, uh, Save the Game Media, over at Save Game Media on Twitter. Stay up to date with all of our latest. And come hang out with me and Sam on Project X Talk, which is like a nice sister show to XCP, uh, which I love XCP every single week, guys. Gotta say. Absolutely. I, yeah, right with you. I listen to X Talk every single week as well. Usually it's my Friday morning. It's my Thursday night where I start, and then Friday morning I finish it up. Very nice. Yeah. Normally uh, I am standing on a train station listening to XEP on like Monday or Tuesday morning. So having that, uh, now, now I, instead of talking to myself at the train station, I'm actually talking back to you guys. So that's a change of pace. Very nice. Appreciate People give uh, them weird looks. They're like, wow. yeah. Yeah. I, I'm normally flailing my arms and yelling. No, but for real, thank you for uh, having us on. It's been a blast. Very much so. Very much so. Alrighty, everyone. Thank you guys so much for your time, your energies, and including us in your podcast rotation. Have a fantastic rest of your week. Take care.